Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we bring our series based on the book of Revelation entitled Love Letters from the Lord to its Conclusion. To close us out, our high school minister, the Reverend Doug Rary, preaches on Jesus's warning against being a lukewarm Christian and encourages us to get involved this Easter season. If you would like to revisit any of the messages in this series, you can do so at ccgf.org sermons. And while you're on the website, please be sure to check out our Easter page so you can see all of the details of the services and events we have planned for Holy Week this year. You will want to check that out so you can make your plan as to which services you will be attending, inviting your friends and family to, or serving at, or all three. Now, here is Pastor Doug with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Would you pray with me, please? Well, Father God, I thank you once again for this church. I thank you for this place. God, I thank you for all that you're doing. God, I thank you for this mission team that we're sending out, Lord. I pray that you would be with them. God, I thank you for your word and for these letters. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would fill this place, that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word. And that it will be your words that are spoken here this morning and not mine. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, I wonder if you have ever watched TV late at night and seen some infomercials for those as-seen-on-TV products. You know what I'm talking about? I also wonder if perhaps you've ever bought some of those as-seen-on-TV products. If not, have I got an opportunity for you. You know, socks can be a really pesky thing, right? They're really difficult to get on sometimes, especially first thing in the morning. Well, if you have that problem just like me, I've got the thing for you. It's called the sock slider. All you need to do is put your socks right in there. It opens the hole real wide. You slide your foot right on, and away you go in the morning. Now, I know what you're saying. Doug, does this work for every pair of socks that I have? Well, absolutely it does. It works for dress socks, casual socks, athletic socks, compression socks. In fact, it works for all of your sock needs. The sock slider, everybody. Now, a lot of people say, Doug, how do you keep your exquisite physique? Well, let me tell you. I use the ab twister. It's really simple to use, as a matter of fact. Oh, boy. You just get a... Hold on. Okay. You just get on like this. Yep. And you hold like this, and you... Woo! And you... Hold on. Hold on. And you give her a twist and a pump like this. Now, the key to physical health is keeping your core in shape. So, in fact, that's all I ever work out is my core. And you could tell because this is all one big ab. Okay? The ab twister. Now, let's say that you're taking your spouse out on a nice date. And you've got some nice clothing on. You don't want to mess that up. Okay? High schoolers, men... Pay attention, okay? This is going to be key for you, all right? Or let's say that you are going to work, and you've got a nice shirt on, a nice tie. Maybe you like to drink your coffee like I do on the way to work, and you don't want to mess up that nice white shirt or that nice tie, okay? What you need is the sob 
slob stopper. Okay, the slob stopper. You pull it out. High school guys, this is really going to win you some points with the ladies, okay? Huh? How you stay nice and clean for work or, or for that special someone, the slob stopper. It's really, really just kind of a, an adult bib is all that really is. But now here's my favorite one, okay? Who really needs one of those versatile, multi-use items like a knife, right? We don't need that. What we need is the butter cutter. All you got to do is you take your stick of butter and you put it in and you say, hey, mom, you need another slice of butter? There you go. Hey, hon, two more slices? There you go. Cuts your butter for you, keeps it nice and fresh, and no need to mess with those pesky butter knives anymore, right? The butter cutter takes care of all of your butter cutting needs. My favorite thing about these infomercials are those commercials. You always see some guy and he's fumbling with a butter knife like he doesn't know how to use it and he gets butter all over his hands and what's he going to do? We've got the perfect solution, right? And it sucks us right in. And so we buy a product like that. And maybe we use it once or twice and we realize we just wasted our money. <laughs> and so what do we do? We, 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 where do these things usually end up, right? You got that one kitchen cabinet in your kitchen, you know, where those kind of things kind of end up, where those kind of things kind of go to die, you know, and you never really use it again. Or you got that place down in the basement, you know, like way back in the corner where you got a bunch of stuff piled up, you know. Or you got a a place in your garage, you know, behind a whole bunch of junk, you know what I'm saying? And you just kind of pile some stuff up there and never to look at again. Because at one point or another, we realize... That, that these things, you know, they don't really serve any real purpose in our lives, right? And so we put them into places like that, where, you know, things, things that we don't really have a use for. So we put them in places like that. Well, I can remember a time when I really felt useless. Useless like one of those as-seen-on-TV items. In fact, I, I was remembering that as, as uh, we were looking forward to commissioning this mission team here this morning. It was my, my very first mission trip. And I was in college. I was, I was 19 years old. And there was this, this Christian college group. Now, when I was in college, I was actually living pretty far away from the Lord. But this Christian college group came a recruiting. And they said that they were going to rent an RV. And they were going to gather a team of us. And they were going to go from state to state, and they were going to do a different mission project from state to state. And I don't know why, because I really was living pretty far away from the Lord at the time. But I thought, I'm in. And so I said yes, and I said I'd do it. Now, we were only a few hours into the trip, into the, you know, on the first day onto the road, when I discovered that I was the only person in that RV to have ever been in an RV before. So everybody voted and elected me to be the guy to wake up first thing in the morning and get rid of the excess <laughs> luggage, if you know what I'm saying, first thing in the morning. So that, uh, that put me right in the 
wrong attitude right off the bat, you know, for this trip. And then I remember the very first place we stopped was in West Virginia. And it was crazy cold. I mean ice cold because it didn't help that we were up, up, up in the mountains. And we went up to one of the tallest peaks on this mountain. And at the top of this mountain was a trailer where a woman lived. And our task for the day was to underpin the trailer. And what that means is, is you put this kind of weatherproofing around the underneath of the trailer so that the trailer will stay warm for the winter. Now, it was so freezing cold that we couldn't even get the stakes through the ground. As hard as we tried, as many hours as we were out there, uh, but it didn't help that like every 15 minutes it was so cold that we, we were rushing inside because we felt like our fingers were going to fall off trying to warm ourselves up in that trailer. And so we were out there for a long time. We only got it about halfway done. And then we, we came inside for fear of, of death or, or, or hypothermia to warm up. And the woman had made this, uh, this rabbit stew for us. But it was really more like rabbit tea. It was, it was like water and like a vegetable or two and just a, a couple pieces of rabbit in there. And I can remember every single bite I would take, I'd get a piece of buckshot in there. And, uh, it was really bad, you know. And I thought, oh man, this, this really isn't turning out to be that great of a trip. And then we drove through the night, and it was the most extreme temperature change I've ever experienced. It went from freezing cold to the hot, hottest ever in North Carolina. And in North Carolina, what we did was we shoveled manure, shoveled mulch, just shoveled, shoveled, shoveled at this school. And it was so hot, and I was getting sunburned, and I was sweating, and we were just shoveling and shoveling at this school. And I'm like, what kind, of, what kind of mission project is this? Shoveling, shoveling this, this stuff. This, I don't understand what we're even doing here. I've got to be honest with you. I was really lazy, really lazy to begin with. And really lazy that day as well. I just didn't understand what we were doing there. Our next stop was in South Carolina. And so we were going to work uh, in this homeless, uh, this homeless shelter and be able to cook some food and serve them there. And by that point, I was really kind of on the outs with the team. And I remember that they were, uh, they were cooking the food and they were going to serve the food. And they said, Doug, you know, we, we got this all covered. So why don't you just kind of go out and mingle with the people? And i got to be honest with you, I had never really experienced hanging out with, with homeless folks before. And I was really, really uncomfortable. And more than that... I got to tell you that, you know, I really had some uh, resentment in my heart from uh, kind of being pushed out of the kitchen and being pushed out with the team. And so I had this resentment and I felt really uncomfortable. And so I'd say hi to some folks or I'd chit chat for a minute or two, but I just got to be honest with you. I was just really looking for an excuse to kind of get out of each conversation and move along and couldn't wait for that moment to end. And then we started heading back home. Well, on our way back home, we stopped in Virginia. And in Virginia, there was this food bank. And at the food bank, we had one job and one job only for the entire day. And that was to test the eggs that the grocery stores would donate to the food bank. And what were we testing for? We were testing to see if they were rotten or not. Now, believe it or not, the egg is like a perfect creation from God. If you, if you put equal pressure on an egg all the way around, you could, you could go home and try this if you have some fresh eggs. You could squeeze it really, really tightly, and it will not break if you have equal pressure all the way around. But if that egg is rotten, it will bust all over you. 
So in order to test if these eggs were, were okay for the food bank or if they were rotten, we literally had to squeeze them and see if they will, would bust or not. So every third egg or so would bust all over me, all over my face and all over my shirt and all over my clothing. And I just thought, this is so silly. This, I, what are we doing here? I don't get this. You know, it's just busting eggs. And so I just felt like this was the, the worst trip, the worst mission trip ever. Until I got a little older. You see, because back then, when I was 19 years old, I didn't realize what I realize now. When I was 19 years old, I didn't realize what I realize now, that that rabbit stew was all that woman had to offer. In fact, she went out that morning to hunt those rabbits so that she had something to offer to us that day. I didn't realize till the end of shoveling all that mulch and they gave us a tour that that school was a school for children with special needs. And I realize now as a, as a father, especially as a father of a child who struggles in her own way, that I look at staff and volunteers of these types of facilities in a whole new way. And I realize now that I didn't need to feel intimidated relating to the homeless. All they needed at that time was just someone to talk to. That's it. Just someone to talk to. Someone who would care about them for just a little bit of time. Someone to be a friend. Someone to love on them. In fact, all the people stuck in the kitchen, I had the best job. I was out with the people. I was in the trenches. I got to mingle and talk. And, and if I, if I would have known how, I would have had an opportunity to share the Lord perhaps with the people. That was the trenches. That's where, that's where the ministry really, really could have been. I didn't realize that. You see, back then, I had a heart condition. I had a heart condition. And what I needed was a heart transplant. I needed surgery. You know, as we finish our series, Love Letters from the Lord, this week Jesus gives us some tough love. This week Jesus gives our last church, Laodicea, some tough love. You see, they too had a heart condition. And they too needed some heart surgery. But first, let me just give you a little historical context to this town, Laodicea. Laodicea was geographically located between two other towns, Colossae and Heropolis. Now, Colossae was known for its beautiful springs of impeccable, perfect drinking water. You know those commercials you see for, for bottles of water where the, the rivers are flowing out of a waterfall or the water's coming out of a glacier? Or you go visit a really fancy hotel and you see those bottles of water for like $6.75. You know what I'm talking about? Well, those bottles of water had nothing on Colossae. Okay, they had this beautiful, perfect, impeccable drinking water. They were known for their water. You could read about it in history. And Heropolis was known for quite the opposite. It was known for its therapeutic hot springs. Now, you may have heard 
uh, about these warm and hot springs all over the world. People travel, you know, tourists to, to go and see lots of things. But when they hear that there's a hot spring, they go and they visit. In fact, one of my best friends just got back from Iceland two weeks ago. And when I found out that he was going and I knew I was going to be talking to you today, I asked him to take a picture of this ginormous hot spring that's up in Iceland around all of the snow and all of the ice. And so this is a picture that he sent me up there. And so when he got back, I said, let me ask you, was it therapeutic? And he said, oh, he said, Doug, it was good for my soul. Okay, this therapeutic hot spring that he went and visited Right? And Heropolis was known for its warm, therapeutic hot springs. So here you have this contrast. Colossae has this refreshing, cold, delicious drinking water, but then Heropolis has this, this hot, therapeutic, good for your soul, kind of almost healing water, but not in Laodicea. They had some springs, but they weren't cold and they weren't hot. They had this strange mix of minerals and, and, and sulfur in them. They smelled really bad. It was really kind of putrid. And so visitors would come to the town, and if they didn't know any better, if they didn't know to, to be prepared, they would drink the water, and immediately they would spit it out of their mouth. Oh, it would just spit it right out. But Laodicea had a couple of things going for it. It was an extremely wealthy town. In fact, they were at the top banking center of their region. Their banks were full of gold. And not unlike Pittsburgh, they had made advancements in medical science, particularly in healing ointments for numerous eye diseases. And their main manufacturing income came from the clothing that they would make, and they would export these clothes. So the church in Laodicea, as we're about to see, would say of themselves that they have prospered and they don't need anything. Now, you see, this church became quite arrogant. They became quite arrogant and they didn't feel a need to contribute much of themselves to anyone or anything. Now, the key word to what I'm saying here is the word themselves, because they contributed money. After all, they had plenty of it. Yet, Jesus corrects them harshly because they weren't contributing themselves. They weren't involved. They weren't serving. They weren't connected. They were neither hot nor cold. Look at what Jesus says to them in Revelation 3 as he writes this letter through John. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold, I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus uses this perfect illustration, this perfect illustration from their hometown. Since you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So Jesus scolds the Laodiceans for being lukewarm Christians. But in doing this, he gives a warning. He gives a warning to all the other Christian churches all over the world. Don't be like them. You see, because God has designed us for a purpose. God has designed us for a purpose to contribute to his church. And when we aren't contributing 
to his church or when we aren't fulfilling our purpose that we are designed by God for, we begin to feel useless. We begin to place ourselves in that kitchen cabinet where things go that nobody uses or in that corner of the basement or behind all that junk in the garage. And we start to think of ourselves as junk. And we start to think of ourselves as useless too. And that's why we begin to wonder, why do I have the salary? Why do I have the status? Why do I have the stuff? Why do I have the the success? Yet, I still don't feel satisfied. Jesus is saying to this church, don't, don't show up just to, just to punch your church ticket. Don't show up just to clock in and clock out and put something in the offering plate and just go home. This is what he says in verse 17. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you, buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes, so that you will be able to see. See, Jesus calls them out for their arrogance due to their financial success. He directly refers to what made them successful in the world in the first place. Their banking status, their clothing exports, their medical science and and eye care. And I can remember when I first started here, something that John Guest said six years ago. He said, are we here to be consumers or are we here to be contributors? So Jesus says to Laodicea, you don't realize it, but you are actually poor. You're poor in the spirit. You see, this church had invested enough money to to, to fund all kinds of ministries. But they hadn't invested what truly mattered. Their hearts. They hadn't invested themselves. Jesus says, invest in a relationship. A relationship in Him And it will be like having white garments. White garments that that cover our sins as his death on the cross paid a penalty for all sins. Jesus says, invest in ointments and salves for your eyes so that you could truly see. In other words, so that you could see the world like God sees the world. So that when we see like a bully, a bully at school... That's picking on other kids and that really gets us angry. Maybe we could see that bully like God might see that bully and think, you know, I bet you he probably is getting abused at home. Or I bet you that he, he's just longing for attention. I bet you he's just longing for love in his life. Or when we see that, that woman at work who we work with who acts really mean and super condescending, And we just kind of walk the other way when we see her coming. Maybe we can start to see her in a way that God sees her. Maybe we might find out that maybe her husband just left her. And now she's forced to 
to take care of the kids by herself, to, to, to figure out a way to pay the bills, to, to, to manage work and this schedule all by herself. Now, in many of these cases, you know, seeing with God's eyes doesn't excuse the behavior, but what it does is it, it gives us compassion. It gives us compassion for that person, just as God has compassion for us, even though it doesn't excuse our sins. This is a tough love situation from Jesus, but it's still love, because Jesus loves this church, and he loves the people in it. He says in verse 20, look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'm going to come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That goes for anyone who would hear that invitation of Jesus. Open the door to your heart. Invite him in. We'll share a meal together as friends. You know, Easter time is nearly upon us. It's my favorite holiday. Not just because I'm a pastor, but it's my favorite holiday for a number of reasons. And, and one of those reasons is because it's the day that my aunt came to Christ. Now, my aunt and my extended family, she and I are extraordinarily close. She might be my favorite. Don't tell anybody. We've always had this really close relationship, my aunt and I. But she didn't always know the Lord. And about 10 years ago, my mom thought that she had cancer. And all the tests were coming back really, really bad. You know what I mean? And uh, we're all really worried. And my aunt said, you know, what is it I could do for you? And my mom, who loves the Lord, said, well, you could come to church with me on Easter. So my aunt, who'd never been to church before, said, okay, I could do that. Now, my mom sang in the choir, and I was working at another church, so she asked me if I could miss one of those services and take my aunt to church and sit with her since my mom was singing in the choir, because my mom really felt that something big was going to happen in my aunt's life that day, so I said, sure. Now, my mom, she went to a really, really big church at the time, and so I remember we drove up, and we pulled into the parking lot, and they had greeters in the parking lot. Nice ones. <laughs> and we got to talk. It was really nice. And then we walked into the commons area. And they had greeters there. They were nice too. And we had some free coffee. And we got a cookie. I like cookies. <laughs> My aunt does too. And so we had some coffee and some cookies, and we got to talking to some folks, some strangers, really. And it was really nice. And then service was getting ready to begin. And so we walked in, and there were some ushers. They were really nice, too. And so they walked us down. And there was some kind of intuition with this one usher, because he didn't really give me the time of day. But he somehow knew that this was my aunt's like first time at church. And he walked down and he really doted on her, you know? And we got like really good seats. I mean, it's a big church. And I was a lot younger then and I, you know, I, I got there late. <laughs> but we got some good seats and we we're sitting down and he was really nice. He doted on her. And I'll never forget what my aunt said. 
She specifically said on, uh, and commented about how warm and friendly everybody was. And she didn't think church was going to be like that. Well, I've got to be honest with you. I, I don't really remember much about that service. But what I do remember was really, really profound. After the sermon, this, this huge band started playing. And they sang this song alive from the band Hillsong. And the lights started going and shining. Okay, kind of like we do here. But this was at a time where we didn't really do stuff like that in church. Okay, so the lights started going and shining, okay? And all this fog started coming out, like going to the stage, you know? And there was this like set, this like, uh, like rock, paper mache rock tomb kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and the lights were going, and the fog was going, and the band was playing, and they're singing this, this, you know, Jesus is risen alive song, right? And then the tomb rolled away. And this light, like you've never seen before, just bursts out of the tomb. This white light just comes right out of the tomb, you know? And then this actor dressed like Jesus just walked out, you know? <laughs> kind of like that. And I, I will never forget that moment for two reasons. Number one, I thought it was pretty darn cheesy. <laughs> but number two, my aunt fell to her knees. She fell to her knees and she confessed out loud to God, not the actor, to God. And she said, I am a sinner, God, and I am helpless without you. Forgive me. And I'm telling you the truth. Nobody has ever taught my aunt words like that. You hear what I'm saying? I, I am helpless without you. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. And she grabbed my wrist and she charged to the front of the stage where the senior pastor was. And she, she sat down with them and kneeled with them and just started praying with them. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm standing, I'm just standing. Okay, let's pray, you know. And so we're praying. We prayed for a long time. And I start, I'm not really an emotional guy, you know. I'm crying. My aunt, I love her. She came to the Lord, you know. My aunt would not know Christ today if it were not for the members of this church investing in their church and in the visitors who would come to church that day. You hear what I'm saying? Holy Week and Easter is just around the corner. We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity first to invite. We have an opportunity to invite. Can I tell you something? Everybody loves an invitation. It is not our obligation to get people here. That's up to them and that's up to God. It is up to us to invite. They can say no. That's okay. Nobody goes, oh, I'm so offended that you would invite me somewhere. How offensive that is. How dare you invite me somewhere. No, they say, hey, you know what? That's not, that's, thanks, that's not really my thing, though. And we say, oh, that's okay, okay. sorry, yeah, that's cool, right? We extend an invitation. In fact, 
We got Easter right around the corner, but one of my favorite services is our Good Friday service. Oh, it's good. <laughs> it's Good Friday. It's good. And on your seats is an invitation. We got Easter invitations coming to you soon, too. We can invite some people right here to come and know the Lord, like my aunt came to know the Lord. But we can't just do it on invitations alone. Can I be honest with you? We're going to have a ton of people coming into this building, a ton of them. We've seen it every year. These services can't happen without some ushers, some friendly ushers, right? We need some people to help greet and seat people. In fact, Ed just reminded me that we've got some people that are going to do a greeting training right after service today. We didn't plan that. It just so happens to coincide. But we need some ushers, and we need a lot of them. And the can you, can you relate to this? Nothing will snap frustration into somebody's heart faster than getting frustrated when you're trying to park. Am I right? Yeah. So imagine being a visitor and, okay, I'm going to give this church a try, and you get real frustrated trying to park, right? We're coming in frustrated right off the bat, right? So we need some people to help us get people parked. Some nice people to help people get us parked. Right, not mean people with the lightsabers, you know, just, you know, you know what I'm talking about? No, smiling faces, you know, you know, That's, we need some people to help us get parked, right? We've got so many visiting families that are going to come, people with kids. Sunday morning, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have full kids ministry, but we need some help to be able to help with the kids. We're going to have some babies. We need some help with the child care. You know what I'm saying? Because we got families coming. And just, just like you like to put on a good impression when you have visitors come to your house, we want to put on a good impression when we have visitors come to the church. So we need some help. You know, we, we want to have our new coffee bar open to be able to give people a cup of coffee, to be able to give them a cookie. Because I like cookies. And visitors, they like cookies too. Right? We want to have people in the welcome center to be able to say, welcome. <laughs> and if people like what they see and they want to find out more, say, I, I could tell you more, right? Or if I can't, yeah, I, could, I, could, I could figure out somebody who does know more, you know? We need some people to help put on a good first impression. So can you help us for just an hour? Just an hour? Can you help us for just an hour? If you can... You just go to the homepage of our website. There's a button right there in the middle. And it says, Help at Easter. And you just click it. You put your name, put some contact info, and you select what you'd like to do. It's that easy. Let's say you're like me and you're going to forget about that before you get home. Well, as soon as you walk out that door, there's a computer. And there's going to be our friend Ed from, from the tech ministry. And he could be there to help you do that on the way out the door. Because we need some help. Let me just close with this. Remember, visitors to Laodicea, they would, they would come to the town and they would taste the water and be like, ugh, and they'd spit it out of their mouth, right? What if someone's only church experience is that of a lukewarm church? Would they spit the whole idea of church out of their mouth? For many, Easter is someone's only experience of church. We need to be like a cold 
refreshing drink of water to a thirsty world around us. We need to be like a warm, therapeutic hot spring healing a broken world around us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this church. And I thank you for all that everybody is already doing, Lord. God, I thank you for how you use us. And God, I also thank you for all the churches around us, too. Lord, I ask that you would bless them. God, there are many who don't know you, Lord. God, I pray that you would use us all. We're all on the same team. God, I pray for a revival here in this city at Easter time. God, I thank you for these letters. These letters that were written to these churches, Lord. God, it's been a wonderful experience. I thank you, God, that they were all in this one document so that each church was reading each letter and that all the other churches that were around in that time were reading what you had written to those churches and that for thousands of years we've been reading these letters to those churches. God, let us not forget that. Let us continue to grow and learn from what you have written these love letters to our churches, Lord. God, let us not neglect our time with you and your word. And God, as we prepare to come to your table here this morning, we thank you for what you have done for us that we are preparing to celebrate on Easter. God, we love you. Amen.